Well, today we're continuing our doctrine series of what we believe. We've been walking through this for uh, the last, what, eight, nine weeks, something like that. We're going to be continuing next week. We're going to be talking about the doctrine of end times. And then uh, after that, we're going to spend a couple of weeks talking about the resurrection, uh, Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. So we're going to be walking all the way up to Easter. So that kind of lays out where we're going, what we're talking about. But today we're going to talk about the doctrine of heaven and hell. Last week, uh, you know that Matt uh, preached a powerful message talking about the spirit world, angels and demons. And so in that uh, context of what he talked about last week, today we're going to talk about is like where those two groups of people live and what we have to look forward to. As I said a few moments ago, like people love talking about heaven. You'll never find a church, you'll never find a pastor, you'll never find a Christian who uh, like shies away from talking about heaven, because heaven's kind of cool. Like everybody likes to talk about heaven. Everybody wants to talk about heaven. Everyone wants to celebrate like this amazing gift of heaven. But you'll find so many that will actually do everything they possibly can to, to shy away from, to stay away from talking about hell. Because their language would be like, how could a loving God you know, send people to hell? How could a loving God who we read about in God's word, like how could he actually send people to hell? Before we begin our conversation today, there's one like ground rule that I want to lay out for all of us here so we understand, so that we get it, is that God does not send people to hell. God has never sent people to hell. God will never send people to hell. The only thing that sends people to a real place called hell is rejecting Christ. In fact, and we'll talk about this today, God does everything in his power to keep us from going to hell. That's why Jesus came. The Bible very clearly tells us that Jesus' purpose in life was to come to provide that alternative to the real place called hell. Now, it's understand, you'll understand that when you study the life of Christ, when you talk about what Jesus said and, and what he did while he was here on this earth, Jesus talked a lot about hell. You know, pastors will say, man, it's not loving to talk about hell. And man, it might be offensive to talk about hell. But Jesus, when he was here, he himself talked about hell a lot. In fact, some scholars would say he talked more about hell than, than he did about heaven. And so I think it's important that we understand, like, yes, we have to talk about hell. They'll say, well, that's not a loving thing to do. I believe it's not a loving thing to avoid talking about hell. In fact, it's the most loving thing that you can do to talk about a real place called hell. Because if you understand the nature of hell, if you understand that, that place that we are all, by the way, all guaranteed to go when we're born, that is our all, that's all of our guaranteed destination. When you're born, when you take your first breath, here's what, you're heading right towards hell because of sin. That Bible says that through one man, sin entered into the world, and through that one man, Adam, that death entered into the world. The idea of death, eternal separation, spiritual death, spiritual separation from God. Hell is a guaranteed destination for every person who has ever lived and whoever will live. And while that's the guaranteed destination, the reason that Jesus talked so much about heaven is that the purpose for his coming, the reason that he showed up on this earth is to give us the opportunity and the way out to keep us from hell. And so we're going to talk about hell. We're going to talk about heaven. We're going to talk about what that means. Now today, again, what I want to do is give you three words that you can, they're easy to remember. Like I, I, I've kind of did the old like standard like preacher thing this week. And I, I've got a three point sermon and the three point sermon are basically three different words and they're easy to remember. Like you can't forget it. And here's the three words. Okay. Wrath, path, and math. 
You got that? Can everybody, let's say it together. Can we say it together? Ready? Wrath, path, and math. And so that's our three points today. So you've got it. It's easy to remember. Now, you probably are wondering like, what in the world does math have to do with heaven and hell? We'll get there. Hang on. We'll get there in a few minutes. But before we jump into the passages today that we're going to walk through and talk through the different elements, I want to go to our doctrinal statement, which we've done every week. And it says this, we affirm that at the end of this age, the unsaved will be raised and judged according to their works and separated from ever, forever from God in hell. It goes on to say, the second part of the doctrinal statement, the saved, that's those who believe in Christ, having been raised, will live forever in heaven in fellowship with God. So you'll notice in our doctrinal statement, we talk about hell first, and then we talk about heaven, which is the order that we're going to talk about it in today as well. That is the pathway we're going to walk through. So remember now, ready? Wrath, path, and math. So the first thing we're going to talk about is the coming wrath. And the coming wrath is hell. The scripture talks a lot about hell. There are a lot of different theologians, liberal theologians and scholars who like really like do calisthenics. I mean, like doing big exercises to try to work their way through separating like what the Bible says about hell to make it sound like it's not really not talking about hell at all. I mean, they go to the nth degree to try to say, no, it's not really talking about a place of, of eternal, you know, separation from God, eternal suffering. There's not like a lake of fire. No, that's all just allegorical. That's not real. They'll do all of these different calisthenics to get there. The problem is God God's word is clear. It talks about hell a lot. In fact, you go back to Daniel chapter 12, verse 2, and in that passage it says that there will be one day, and that after the judgment, they'll be coming, that those who will have the opportunity to spend an eternity uh, in heaven, they'll have an opportunity of spending eternity uh, with God, and then also that there'll be the other group that will have the opportunity of spending eternity separated from God. And so that's in Daniel chapter 12. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus himself talked about the fact that those who reject Christ, those who, who do not accept Christ as their Lord and Savior, that they will actually be cast into hell fire. He used like the double phrase, right? I mean like the double-barreled shotgun, right? Like not just hell, like hell fire. He sounded like an old, you know, Baptist preacher. That is what Jesus himself said in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5. And so clearly... We understand the Bible talks a lot about hell and the language that it talks about, the language that it uses in talking about hell is very descriptive and it's very real. And the word, the Greek word there for hell is the word Gehenna. And that word Gehenna is actually a word picture that Jesus himself used in that time and in that context to make sure people understood exactly what it was. And so that language that he used, that word Gehenna, actually, in the Greek, it actually used two, two different words kind of put together that mean two different things. And the first, the first part of that Gehenna, it actually means valley, the word Geh. The last part, Henna, is actually a, a reference to the valley of Hinnom. And so the picture is this, is Gehenna, the word that he's using for hell, is a word that talks about the valley of Hinnom. Now, what is the valley of Hinnom? Well, today, if you go to Jerusalem, if you go to the, you know, the holy city there and you're touring around and you're visiting there, if you're standing up on the temple mount, if you're standing there on that place where the temple once stood and you look out to the right as you're looking towards the Mount of Olives, you look out to the south part of that uh, area in Jerusalem, you'll look down and there's this big valley there. And that valley is called the Valley of Hinnom. The what that valley is and the reason that it's important, the reason that Jesus used that as a word picture to talk about hell 
is because that was a place, when you go back to the, to, the, to the period of the kings in Israel, that back in that season, in that time in Israel, that's a place where Israel would go and they would sacrifice their children alive to false gods. They would go and they would take their children and literally burn them alive to sacrifice them to gods. And so all through the kings of Judah in that series, in that time, they went to the valley of Hinnom and there they would burn their children. They would sacrifice to their gods. And it was a place where there was constantly a fire happening because of the sacrifices that were being made there. Interestingly, in a place where, where they were coming and, and a place where eventually you know, that's where they would come to worship God, the temples would be there, that they would be built there, that Solomon would build, and then later in Herod's temple. And yet right next door in the Valley of Hinnom, they would actually sacrifice their children. Even in the times of, of Jesus when he was alive, they no longer sacrificed their children there. But because of the, uh, the, the desecration that took place on that, that ground and that earth, that place, the Valley of Hinnom, became really the landfill for Jerusalem. In fact, if you go there today, there's actually a gate there. It's a gate that was restored back in 1528 by Suleiman, where if you walk out that gate, it's called the Dung Gate. And that's the place where they would take all of the trash from Israel, from Jerusalem, and they would take it and they would dump it down into that pit, that valley, that Valley of Hinnom. And that was a place that, you know, where people were sacrificed. It's a place where trash was, a place that smelled really bad. It was, it was desecrated. It was dirty. And no one wanted to go there because of the suffering and the pain and the sorrow that that place represented. And that's the word that Jesus uses to reference eternal punishment. That's the word that Jesus uses to reference this place called hell. And so with that in mind, let's kind of talk through what does God's word say about hell, some attributes of hell, this coming wrath that is to come. And so I just want to give you a couple of thoughts here, a couple of words uh, that really kind of give us the attributes or the picture of what hell is all about. But before we do that, again, let's go back to the doctrinal statement. It says we affirm that at the end of the age, the unsaved will be raised and judged according to their works and separated from ever for, uh, from God in hell. This is a picture clearly of what we deserve that we deserve to be separated from God. In fact, a few weeks ago, when we were talking through the doctrine of sin, you'll remember from our doctrinal statement, it said this, they are therefore subject to eternal punishment under the just condemnation of a holy God. In other words, what we deserve is we deserve to be separated from God. When we are born, our natural, our guaranteed destination is not heaven, it's hell. Why? Because of our sin, we deserve to be separated from God. And so understanding that, Romans chapter 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, that's eternal separation from God, then let's talk about what does hell look like? What, is the, what are the attributes that God's Word talks about when it talks about hell? And the first one is this, it talks about a place of eternal darkness, of eternal darkness. We go to Scripture in Matthew chapter 22, in Jesus' own words, here's what he said. Friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Verse 13, then the king said to the servants, bind him hand and foot, take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, this, by the way, is a parable that Jesus was sharing. And this parable that he was giving at the time in Matthew chapter 22 is he was talking about a wedding feast that was being given for the son of this important man. And all of the people came and they were dressed in their, you know, their finest clothes. They were coming in their, you know, their Sunday best to show up for this wedding. And they arrived at the wedding, but there was this one guy who showed up and he was not dressed correctly. He was not dressed right. He was not dressed appropriately for the wedding feast. 
And so the master said, take him and bind him hand and foot, take him away and cast him into outer darkness and there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus was using this parable, this this story as a reference to the fact that there will be people who show up one day who think they deserve to spend eternity in a real place called heaven, but because they're not clothed in the right clothing and that has nothing to do with garments that we wear, it has to do with what we do in believing in Christ. Remember, we talked about this a few weeks ago. The only thing that will send us to hell is rejecting Christ, that they will show up to that moment, to that place, and because they have rejected Christ, then they will be cast into outer darkness. Can you imagine spending eternity in a place where it is complete pitch dark for all of eternity? Like no lights, no candlelight, no, you know, nothing that you can use to see by, like like literally a place of, of complete and total and utter darkness. And that's one phrase that the Bible uses to reference to talk about this place called hell. But it doesn't stop there. It's a place of eternal darkness, but it's also a place of eternal suffering. We again go back to Scripture. In Scripture, Matthew chapter 22, in the second part of verse 13, it says this, and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is talking about eternal suffering. This is what Jesus said this place will be like, where they will spend eternity in complete and utter uh, punishment and sorrow and suffering. They will go through so much uh, trouble and, and tribulation because of where they are. And it uses this phrase, this weeping and gnashing of teeth, which is a biblical kind of reference to what uh, many people did back in that time, that when they would gnash their teeth, it was literally like this this insane, intense grinding of their teeth because of the suffering they were going through, where they would actually wear their teeth out, grind them all the way down because of the suffering they were going through. And what God's word says is, is hell is a place of eternal suffering. Not temporary, not like for a season, not for a moment, but forever. But it doesn't even stop there. It goes on to say that not only is a place of eternal darkness and eternal suffering, it's a place of eternal pain. Again, we go back to the scriptures and Jesus' own words. By the way, listen, these are not my words. This is not like some preacher, you know, hellfire and brimstone trying to scare you. Like, this is what Jesus said. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 41, Jesus said, and then he, talking about God, he, God, will also say to those on the left hand, those who have come who are not believers, depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. You are cursed and you will go into the everlasting fire. Can you imagine the pain of spending an eternity in a place where you will always continually be burned? Have you ever gone to a restaurant and the server will bring the the plate to the table and, and sometimes they'll come and they'll have a napkin that they're holding the plate with and they'll come and say, do not touch this plate because it's like insanely hot. It's very hot. Don't touch this plate. And you sit down, what do we do? Like I know what I do. I touch it. Like I, for some reason, I have this like this desire in my like. I want to see if the guy's lying to me. Like, why would he lie to me about the plate being? But I always want to touch it, right? But you know that little momentary moment of pain, that little moment where it's really hot, like is nothing in comparison to the fact that we, without Christ, the humanity will spend eternity in everlasting fire. 
That for eternity we will be in a place where we will be continually over and over and over again. We'll be in this place of eternal fire. And it says prepared for the devil and his angels. In other words, as Matt talked about last week, like the place that God has prepared for eternity for Satan and for all of the demons, all of the people, that the evil, those who, who have done all the things that Matt even talked about last week. Like that place is also the place that those who are not saved, that they will go there too. In other words, rejecting Christ not only guarantees you will not spend eternity in the presence of God, it will guarantee that you will spend eternity in the presence of Satan. So eternal pain, eternal suffering, eternal darkness, but also eternal separation. Eternal separation. Let's go back to Scripture. Revelation chapter 20, verse 14 and 15. It says, Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Verse 15 says, And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now go back to verse 14 if we could. It says, This is the second death. Now what does that mean? Here's what it means. It means that all of us in this room, we're going to have a first death. Like we all are going to have a physical death. The Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die. The minute that you begin breathing is the moment you begin dying, right? And so whether you live for a very short period of time or whether you live for a hundred years, at some point your life will end on this earth. That is not what this is talking about. It's not talking about that physical death. It is talking about the second death, which is a far worse death than the first death. And that's because this is a spiritual death. This is an eternal death. That it says here that those will be cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. In other words, forever you will be taken out of the presence of God. That forever you will spend eternity in a place where you have no way, no opportunity to get back into the presence of this God who loves. This God who sent Jesus to die on the cross. Like, like forever you'll be separated from that moment. That's the second death. And that we will spend eternity in that place. And so it's a place of eternal separation. And so we see in this passages we've read through here, eternal darkness, eternal suffering, eternal pain, eternal separation. And then here's the last one, eternal punishment. Again, we go back to the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 25, verse 46. And in verse 46, he said this, and these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. I want you to think about that verse for a moment. And again, don't think of it in the context of what a preacher told you. This is what Jesus said. The Jesus that so many people say, oh, he was a loving person. He would never, ever do something like that that would step on people's toes. This Jesus that, you know, that he's such a great teacher and a great rabbi and a great example and a great model and all those things are true. This Jesus, he would never say that that somebody would suffer like that. Jesus said, And those who reject Christ will go away into everlasting punishment. The words of Jesus, that when you reject him, when you reject Christ, yes, there is a consequence to that rejection. Yes, there is a consequence to making that decision. Yes, there is a consequence to not responding to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is everlasting punishment. But then Jesus went on to say, but the righteous into eternal life. And so you can see, like remember our, our kind of our talk today is all, we're talking about these things like wrath, right? The coming wrath, which is hell. And the second word, who can tell me the second word? 
path, right? So in other words, Jesus set it up right here. Those will go away into everlasting punishment. That's the wrath, but the righteous into eternal life, which is the promised path, which is number two in our point today. So first, the coming wrath. Second, the promised path. And the promised path, we're going to talk about the promise of heaven and the hope of heaven. And so we go back to this statement, a doctrinal statement where it tells us this, the saved, having been raised, will live forever in heaven in fellowship with God. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about the doctrine of salvation and our doctrinal statement. It also said this, the believers declared righteous, born again by the Holy Spirit, turned from sin and assured of heaven. I love this statement. The believer is declared righteous. We are justified, made right with God. In other words, we do not deserve it. We could not earn it on our own. We could not get there all by ourselves. But because of what Christ has done by believing in Jesus, that then we are declared righteous. We are justified. And because we are justified, born again by the Holy Spirit, we sanctified, turned from sin, and assured of heaven, that's glorification. So what does the Bible talk about heaven? What does it say about heaven? The Bible does not say that we're going to float around uh, in heaven on clouds wearing white robes with little white rings on our back playing harps. The Bible does not say that. And thank God it does not. Because that doesn't sound like a great place to me. I I don't think that's what heaven's going to be about. I don't think we're going to do that. But what it does say are these things when it talks about specifically the attributes or the the pictures of, of heaven. And so what does it say? Let's go back to what scripture tells us. It tells us this first off, that Jesus himself has prepared it. John chapter 14, verses one through three. It says, let not your heart be troubled. That's an important statement. Because remember now, Jesus has spent his earthly ministry talking a lot about hell. And this is in the last few hours before he himself would go to the cross. And his statement is this, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again, receive you to myself that where I am, you may be also. So what did Jesus say? He said this, I've talked a lot about hell, but don't worry. Be happy. That's not what he said. But don't be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. Why? Because I am going to prepare a place for you. Jesus himself has prepared the place called heaven for eternity for each and every one of those who have trusted and believed in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. He has prepared that place just for us. But then he also goes on in the second uh, picture, the second element of heaven that he wants us to understand is just simply this, while he's preparing that place for us, that it's only Jesus who can give it. Because in verse six, he says this, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. People say we're all, you know, sincere. We're all working to the same place. You know, we might come through different paths. We're all heading towards heaven. We're all working to get in the same place. Baloney, that's not true. Jesus himself, don't take my word for it. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no man, no woman, no child, no Methodist, no Baptist, no Pentecostal, no atheist, no one comes to Christ, I mean, no one comes to heaven except through me. Jesus is the only way. It is only Jesus who can give us, deliver heaven to us. So quit thinking you can work to get there, you can't. 
Quit thinking showing up at church is going to get you to heaven. It will not. The only thing that gets us to heaven is through Jesus Christ who said, it's only through me. So Jesus prepared this place for us. It's only through him that we can experience it. But then he goes on to tell us like what this place is really like. And so remember, under the context of the discussion about hell, a place of eternal darkness, well, the complete opposite of heaven, heaven is eternal light. We go to scripture, Revelation chapter 21. In Revelation chapter 21, in verse 23, it says this, the city has no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb, Jesus, is its light. In heaven, you won't have to worry about the sun. Daylight savings time will be totally irrelevant when it gets to, when we get to heaven. It won't matter anymore. You won't have to be wondering what time the sun's going to come up or what time the sun is going to go down because there will be no sun and there will be no moon. No, why? Because Jesus himself is the light and that light will burn for eternity. It's a place of eternal light. What an amazing concept. What an amazing thought. But not only that is it an eternal light, but it's also a place of eternal fellowship with God. Remember, hell was a place of eternal separation from God. Heaven is a place of eternal fellowship with God. Again, we go back to what John wrote in Revelation. In Revelation chapter 21, verse 3, he writes these words. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. In other words, heaven is a place where God will be with us. Men and women through all of eternity, all of history, have spent their lives trying to figure out how they can get closer to God, working to get closer to God. Men, I want to know God. I want to, I want to try to find God. I want to try to figure out who God is. When we get to heaven because of what Christ has done, you will not have to try to figure out how to work to get to God. You will not try to have to figure out like how you can get close to God because God will be with us eternally, that we will be in his presence. But not only that, place of eternal light and fellowship with God, but also it's a place of eternal joy. Eternal joy. Look what again John writes in Revelation And we go to Revelation chapter 21, verse 4, the first part of that verse, and it just says this, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Sounds good, doesn't it? Because everybody in this room, at some point in your life, you've been in a moment where tears are rolling down your cheek. And maybe it's when you were a child and you fell and you got hurt, or maybe it's an adult as you're sitting by the bed of a loved one who's slipping away. We've all been in that moment where tears are rolling down our cheeks and our hearts are broken because of what we're experiencing. And here's what God promises that heaven is like, a place of eternal joy because God will wipe away every tear. That there will be nothing that you ever experience where tears are even necessary ever again. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Eternal joy. But not only eternal joy, but he goes on to tell us in this passage, in the next verse, same verse, it's a place of eternal deliverance. Look what it says in the second part of verse 4 of Revelation 21. And there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Think about this. No more death. No more sorrow. And no more tears. No more pain. For all the former things have passed away. That former things, what that means is like there's no more sickness ever again. There's no more COVID ever again. No more masks ever again. There's no more cancer ever again. 
There's no more division ever again. There's no more wars in Ukraine ever again. There's no more dictators ever again. There's no more governments ever again. There's no more Republicans and Democrats ever again. All the former things of this world, all the things that we have to deal with day in and day out, the heartache, the heartbreak, all of those former things have passed away and everything is made new. And that's what heaven is. Never again will you deal with the stuff that we deal with here because it is all gone. Eternal deliverance. Now you think about it, if we're spending eternity in a place where there's eternal joy and there's eternal deliverance, then the next one kind of is a no-brainer. The next one is this, eternal celebration. Like if you're not having to worry about death anymore, not having to worry about division anymore, not having to worry about sorrow anymore, not having to worry about pain and sickness and tears anymore, then obviously, then what you're thinking about is celebration. Cool and the gang will have a song. Eternal celebration. But the song that we'll have in heaven will be a little bit different. In fact, we go back to Revelation chapter 7. In Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, it says this, And after these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations and tribes and peoples and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with right robes, with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. All the angels stood around the throne, the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne, and they worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Have you ever had one of those moments in a worship service where maybe Scott and the team are up here leading and man, the song is just like really hitting you right in the heart and you're standing there and you're worshiping and you're singing and maybe your hands are raised. It's like just a powerful moment. You think, man, this is awesome. This is incredible. And it is nothing in comparison to what heaven will be like. The greatest worship moment that you've ever had on this earth will be nothing compared to standing in that place where God is in the midst eternal celebration. That is what heaven is all about. And so you've got this natural choice. Jesus laid it out. We talked about that a few moments ago. Like there's a place of of eternal separation, eternal punishment, the lake of fire, hell, or the place we've just talked about where it's eternal joy and, and eternal deliverance and eternal celebration, which is heaven. And that brings us to our third word. What's our third word for today? Math. Have you figured out like what that means? Well, there's the coming wrath, right? And then there's the promised path. So there's two very clear choices, like one really bad and one really good. So naturally, our third point for today, the word math just means, hey, let's do the math. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out the better choice here, does it? So let's go back to Colossians chapter 3. What does that tell us in this passage? In Scripture it says this, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God, set your mind on the things above, not on the things of the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. But when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. In other words, that because of what Christ has done by believing in him, that we don't have to worry about what hell is like. We don't have to worry about what hell will bring. We don't have to worry about that eternal separation and punishment and sorrow and pain. The only thing we have to worry about is that one day when Christ returns, that we will have the opportunity of walking and being ushered into the presence of God 
and there we will be for eternity and then we will celebrate in the presence of God for all of time and it will go on and on and on and on and on. So do the math. Come on, what's the best choice? What do you think makes more sense? People would say, like, why would God create a place like hell? Why would God send anyone to hell? I found a great quote this week from our own Elmer Towns. Listen to his words. The whole testimony of Scripture is that our loving God does everything in his power apart from violating a person's will to encourage him or her not to go to hell. Why would God send anyone to hell? He doesn't. But understand that if God in his infinite power, which he could do, if he decided that he was going to force heaven on everyone, if he was going to make it where we did not have free will and the choice to choose whether to believe in Christ or whether to reject Christ, if God in his infinite power created that system for all of humanity, then that system that he would create would not be the perfect system. That system would not create a perfect heaven because we would be nothing more than robots that have no opportunity to choose whether or not we wanted to be there or not. And so the only thing that God cannot do is he cannot override what is the only path where perfection in heaven can truly exist. We are all born with a sinful nature. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of our sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so if we believe in our hearts and confess with our lips that Jesus is Lord, that he was raised from the dead, that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. God does not send people to hell. Rejecting Christ does. And God has spent every moment from the very beginning of time, from the moment that Adam was spoken into existence, from the moment that Adam and Eve committed the first sin, God has spent every moment from that to this doing everything possible to guarantee that you will not spend eternity in hell. But the only thing that he will not do is force you to believe. So today, yep, wrath is real. Yes, God has given us a path. He's created a way out. So do the math. What are you going to choose? to choose the path of destruction or to choose to spend eternity in the presence of the God who created you. It doesn't take a rocket scientist. It's an easy choice. So what's yours? Let's pray. Father, today, we thank you for the way that your word clearly lays out for us truth. God, we need truth because we live in a world full of lies. We live in a world full of deceit. And that we know the father of lies is constantly trying to make us believe that hell is not real. That Jesus did not die and rise again. So God, today I pray for every person in this room or watching or listening. Lord, if there's someone here today that has never come to that moment where they have trusted and believed that, God, that you love them. 
and that you sent your son Jesus to die for them, that he was buried, that he rose again, and they've never, never believed that, never made that decision, Father. I pray that today would be the day that they finally say yes to you. And God will give you the praise in advance of what you're going to do. With our heads bowed and with our eyes closed, in a moment we're going to stand, we're going to sing. We do this every week. And we're going to keep doing this every week until Jesus returns. We'll never have a service here where we don't give people the opportunity to respond to the gospel. Why? Because hell is real. And we want to make sure that everyone has the opportunity to make that right choice to decide to follow Christ. So in a moment when we stand and sing together, our team is gathering here at the front. And if you're here and you've never come to that place where you've trusted Christ, I invite you to step out from where you are, come down and just to walk down to one of these people here and just say, listen, I want to meet Christ today. If you're not 100% sure, and it's got to be 100% sure, by the way, if you're 80% sure, that 20% would scare me to death if I were you. Like, I'd want to make it 100% sure. And by the way, you can. That's the cool thing about the gospel. And so if you're here today and you're not 100% sure, like, come down, just say, listen, I want to make sure. Because here's why. We're not promised tomorrow. Today might be the last day you spend on this earth. And as we've clearly read today, If today is your last day on this earth, then what I promise you is that tomorrow you will end up in one of only two places. There's not a third place or a fourth place. There's not like a hangout in another place. You can figure out whether you want to go to that place. Two places. There's heaven and there's hell. And today we've laid it out clearly according to God's word. The choices that are there and the path that God has provided. And so if you're not 100% sure, man, I encourage you to come down and get it right today. Maybe you want to come and kneel here and pray for a loved one who's away from Christ. Maybe it's to pray for one of the names you wrote on a card a few weeks ago. Maybe it's to come in to join our church family or come for baptism, whatever it is that God is telling you to do today. Let's stand and let's sing as God leads us. And I encourage you to step out right now. of your word and God I pray that today as we leave this place Lord that we indeed will make sure 100% sure of our own faith but also we'll walk out of here with an urgency 
because we know that there is a world out there that desperately needs to hear truth and that we will take this message and we'll share it, that we'll give it, that we'll introduce people to you and God, that we'll have the opportunity and the privilege of bringing people into the family of God because God, time is short. Heaven is real. And so God, I pray that that's what we will be about. And Father, for that, we give you the praise. We give you the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Remember, people, wrath, path, math. Remember it and go tell the world. God bless you and have a great day. Our team remains here at the front if you want to come down and talk with any of them. Thank you for worshiping with us today. We're so glad you joined us. If you prayed to receive Christ today, we'd love to hear from you. We want to help you as you begin this journey of faith in Jesus Christ. So send us an email to the address on the screen, pastor at trbc.org. Likewise, if you've never accepted God's free gift of salvation, the forgiveness of sins made possible by the death and resurrection of Jesus, but you'd like to know more, well, we're here to help you. So just reach out to us. We'd love to tell you more. Our mission at Thomas Road is to change our world by developing Christ followers who love God and love people. And if you'd like to help us fulfill that mission by giving to our ministry, then go to the link on your screen and make your contribution today. Help us help others with the life-changing truth of God's love.